1: Tonight, it's interview time again, as comedian and podcaster Jamie Kilstein joined us for a great conversation, including, you know, there's a lot of atheists who love Christmas. Instead of just thinking the other side is bad, why don't we try to figure out what good ideas they might have? A lack of self-esteem leads to bad things, conversations over name-calling, and the fact that being anti-war is not being anti-truth. It's a good one. Here we go. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers, and my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle Finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli, as we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Endowed podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Towers Podcast, episode 142. It's interview time again. Dan and I are going to have a great conversation here in just a minute. But first, I take a moment to thank the folks to make all of this possible. And starting with our awesome Amazon link. Every time you shop at Amazon, if you come through the portal at our website, you can click through, shop away like you always do, and the kind folks at Amazon will give us a tiny piece of uh, what you've been... Well, not what you're buying. That would be cool. We have all sorts of cool, crazy items for sure. No, they give us a tiny percentage of uh, what you spend to help us keep our operation going so everybody can enjoy our awesome little podcast we have here. So it's a very helpful thing. So check out the Amazon link. It is in the episode notes. Click through there and then shop as usual. And then, of course, the Holy Trinity that's been with us almost since the very beginning on it, the human optimization folks with... Everything from workout gear and equipment, training videos that are quite awesome. They, uh, they do, I, have, I love my little battle mace, and the video that comes with that is a killer, and it will whip your ass, but it is just fun to do, you know? Just what a great little thing. I never even would have dreamed I would enjoy doing it, but what do you know? Supplements like crazy. They've got a new set of gut health supplements for a uh, happy intestinal fauna and flora, Because they're finding more and more all the time that what goes on in your intestines has a lot to do with how your health is. And you don't want a leaky gut full of yeast. You want it full of helpful microbes that help you digest and get you through your day. So I would definitely check that out and all the hundreds of other awesome items they have available. Then, of course... Hemp for Victory, our friends at Dr. Sarah, dsgear.com. They got these awesome new dark tan World War II looking bags and backpacks and stuff that are just cool. I still love the black ones. The, the duffel bag I have is now going on six years of being drugged all around the planet. And it just keeps on keeping on. It's a great thing. It's kind of lightweight. Survives... Going on airplanes and and backs of boats and all sorts of things. It's quite a great piece of gear to have, and the backpacks are great as well. Um, and with it getting cooler outside, they also have cool hemp beanies. I mean, we called them toques back in the day, up when towards the great white north when I lived near New York. But um, yeah, little beanies to keep your ears warm because it's getting cool here in the uh, northern hemisphere. DSGear.com. Dot Sarah, and of course. Our good friends, SureDesignTShirts.com. The number of different cool designs they have is outstanding. From Ganesh's to Buddha's to lots of sort of yin-yangs and just great little nifty stuff like that. And they go on all sorts of different types from shirts to to t-shirt dresses. And I think they have over 40 different colors of t-shirts that you can choose from. So go check them out. SureDesignTShirts.com. Another one has been with us forever, and we sure appreciate that. NeverTapGear.com. Those are the folks that are sponsoring Savannah, and they also provide the knee guard that keeps Bodele's aging knees safe, which, uh, you know, keeps him less hobbled than he would be as his advancing age grabs a hold of him. (laughs) The other awesome thing they have right now, though, is Savannah has designed this awesome rash guard featuring the female samurai, oh, I'm going to get it wrong, Tomeo Gozen. Anyway, she's complete with her weapon and a severed head, and she looks badass, and it is really an awesome thing to express the warrior spirit with a rash guard to keep the itchies off of you from when you're rolling. So be sure to check that out. I want to give a quick shout-out to some folks that have been longtime listeners, and that is Snow Roast Coffee Roasters out of Colorado, miles up in the air. They roast exotic single-origin coffee into creative blends from around the world, and it's done in small batches. So there's not beans sitting around on shelves in shelves and warehouses or in bags or in plastic bins or anything like that. They roast it, they cool it down. As the different roasts get packaged and ready to go, they pop them up on SnowRoast.com for purchase. It's first come first serve, so you know <laughs> you snooze, you lose. And hey, code dao 18 tao 18 for a 15% discount on your coffee purchase. That'll make you less jittery all by itself. Thanks to the guys at SnowRoast.com. Thanks for being listeners, guys, and uh, I hope you move a ton of coffee. Final thing, and real quick, Kiva.org. Guys, Team Drunken Dallas has 3,200 loans from 212 members who are your fellow listeners, and we are always happy to have them join along. Lend, get repaid, lend again. $25 gets you a loan. They usually get paid back within you know 18 months at the most, usually within a year. And you can give the money out again, and uh, we're over a hundred and seven thousand dollars in loans that we've done from our humble little group here. So, come on and join us. Here we go. Jamie's waiting to get started. This is a really fun conversation, and uh, here it is.
0: Ready to roll uh, today! Jamie, how the fuck do I pronounce your last name? Kilstein.
2: Oh, you should have just—you should have just went for it. Okay, that was it. That Kielstein was it. Kilstein. Serious? Yeah, Oh man, I can get something here's what right. I was literally planning on saying. I'm so glad to be on the show. you' Always become one of my best friends, and like, I couldn't. And then you were like, "Who are you?" <laughs> I can't pronounce. Are you in my house?
0: I can't pronounce shit. That's <laughs> a, a well-established fact. The fact that I can actually pronounce your name—that's like mildly okay. disturbing and weird because it's come on, how is that? That never going to happen. You know, it's actually, it's an ongoing comedy series with Savannah and Isabella that when they, like, when they are bored, when they don't know what to do, they'll start asking me to pronounce things in English. <laughs> what and, monsters? Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. They're like... Hey, dummy, d- say this. The three, as in the tree outside with leaves on and the number three to me are exactly identical. I don't hear the difference between the two. So that's Isabella so awesome. is like, say three trees. threes. I'm uh-huh. like... Three trees. There, it's the same it's word. Great. It's like C- categories. My favorite categories, of course. That's a classic. <laughs> how about squirrel? Squirrel is always a good oh, that's one. Good. That's supposed to be a squirrel. Yep, but yep. Yes. No, I got you. I got you. That's uh, yeah. No. Well, that's just. I have a long list. Your so
2: family is cruel and hilarious. Yeah,
0: that's basically how it is. You quote it in a very quick tagline in perfect fashion. <laughs> Thank you very much, <laughs> uh, Jay. Before we forget, just tell us right away the podcast you're working on right now
2: uh right now it's called the jamie kilstein podcast it's on itunes and stitcher you have been on it um you know it's it's definitely not the lefty podcast i used to do like i had uh mobian and all we talked about was being insecure in relationships and the simpsons um (laughs) but i really try to um talk about sort of like my fuck ups current and, uh, past and, and sort of help people dodge those bullets. Cause you know, you, you make enough mistakes, you get really good at advice that you don't, uh, listen to. And we've had like UFC fighters and we've had, you know, a, a lot of stuff that I wanted to talk about on my old show, you know, um, still being very left wing, but like also talking about like masculinity and, you know, uh, r- really just trying to, to, to help people uh, while being far too open about uh, stuff like my dating life and you know all that good stuff I love
1: the tagline the only comedian in L.A. with a podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. I think that was my Twitter bio. I was debating now that I have been, like, writing a little more about politics and get shit from both sides. I almost deleted that tagline today, so I'm glad you said you liked it and just changed my Twitter tagline to uh, alt-right liberal cucktard because <laughs> uh, I feel like that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'll get you some listens for sure. Yeah, so we'll see. But thank you. Uh, so, yeah, that's the podcast. Uh, it's free. You know, there's a Patreon, but like, check out the show first. Make sure you like the show i'd rather you listen
0: sweet so because the, the old one was citizen radio that you were it's, doing
2: I'm very old yeah uh I, I haven't done it in like a couple of years but yeah that was the that was the first one uh that kind of blew up a little bit in the in the, in the lefty uh sphere uh, and we're
0: gonna jump into the politics in a minute but yeah but i dig the i haven't talked about it in a while uh, i hope i i,
2: hope I I'm still sharp.
0: Oh, I, I dig the concept that you having a 50 degree black belt in fuck ups and uh, <laughs> yep, life yep, experience yep. can translate it actually good advice. I mean, dude, isn't too. that who you
2: want to take advice? Like, yeah. like whenever I'm getting advice, I'd rather someone be like, I know this not because I'm judging you and I've never had difficulty or trauma. Like I know this cause I did this a month ago right, exactly. and it completely fucked me. Um, so don't do this. That's I, good I, policy. I have the statistical evidence. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, what are you going to learn from somebody when everything went well for nothing? And they're probably yeah.
2: burying bodies in the back, in of the course. backyard. Like, I don't want to know how that's going to explode, <laughs> but like same with comedy, right? Like whenever people are, are are like, so were you the class clown? I'm like, no, the class clown called me gay and beat the shit out of me. Like <laughs> I was, was the sad kid with like the alcoholic mom and that's what made me funny it was a it was a defense mechanism whereas you're you're not going to get the best comedian in the world if you're like what was your childhood like and they're like well you know my dad was an exec at comedy central and uh they just kind of like you're gonna be so bad uh and soulless right well
1: what are you what are we gonna do now that all those guys end up being school shooters i mean
2: i know i know Come on. We
1: comedians left in another 12 years.
2: Write some jokes <laughs> you guys. We need to That's why we need to ban guns to save comedy. <laughs> right. There that's the That
1: might be what we need.
2: <laughs> that's an excellent plan. I, <laughs> yep. That's probably right. That's my man. new tagline.
1: Well. I dig
0: it. I'm it's, full of them today. I know. You have them. You're on. You got something going. <laughs> it's panic. It's pad, panic and sadness. So, on the um, Well, let's play a second since you are talking about hinting at all the lefty tendencies and where you're at today and all of that. Yeah. Let's go play there a little. So where today you are in a interesting space because you in a world that's so factionalized, where everything is why, which which banner are you flying and so automatically you got all the people who are on your side versus all the other guys. You are not exactly flying recognizable banners that people are like, yeah, he clearly is on our side, yeah. and that of course makes it difficult to get money, yes. food, and then a home,
2: yes, <laughs> And niche audience, uh, yeah. all of that stuff. I think in the long run, <laughs> I mean, here's what I think: is I think that if you're any kind of artist. You have to, uh, this is such an LA thing to say, speak your truth, Um, where if you're doing something just for money, and we were kind of talking about this off air, Mm -hmm. if you're doing something just for money, it may temporarily work, but in the long run, people won't give a shit, right? When I was very, very political, um, I would have these conversations with agents and managers where they're like, people don't want politics. That won't get you on Letterman. That won't, you know. And they're right. It won't get you on Letterman, really, but the people who were getting on Letterman if they were to be described at the office next day, it would be like, Hey, Danielle, like I saw this, like uh this, do you see the comedian on Letterman? It's like, Oh yeah. That guy, he like talked about his wife. He's like, yeah, what's his name? I don't know. Brian, like no one gives a shit. Right. Where you look at the comics who, you know, went down uh, as infamous and it was, you know, George Carlin and and Richard Pryor and Hicks and uh, Lenny Bruce. And then like Sarah Silverman and Amy Schumer and Chris rock and Dave Chappelle and Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert who now runs the fucking late show. Right. Um, And so you got to just sort of give these people a chance and then they will, because people really do want to hear intellectual material, or at least there is an audience for that. um, They'll go even, uh, they'll go even further. Right. But the problem is the industry just wants money now Mm -hmm. uh, and they don't really take a chance on it. but you know, even when I was striking out, I was like, this is what I know how to do. Me trying to tell my wife sucks jokes. Um, you know, it's just gonna, it's gonna read as insincere. It's not even going to do well, it's going to do mediocre and it's not going to be me. Right. And so the same thing's kind of happening right now with politics where, you know, I'll write a piece for a more centrist website and I'll, I'll get retweeted by, you know, Sam Harris and, and people like that. And, it's really nice. It's nice to feel accepted, even if it's a, a tribe you have some disagreements with. And I see that opportunity to go full right wing. And like, I've joked with you about that. Like, I know the book name. It would literally... If I wrote a book right now called Why I Left the Left and Why the Right is Right, the king of publishers would fly his jet to my apartment, knock on my door, and hand me a check for a trillion dollars. But
1: didn't Dennis Miller already write that book? Dennis Miller
2: may have already written that book, but it probably had a much longer uh, uh, title that no one understood. <laughs> uh, filled with references that uh, no one gives a shit about. And uh, and so... But I, 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 I can't... I can't do that. And that means one, you're going to be, you're going to have people who don't like you from the right and left. But the more exciting thing is you're going to have people who like you from the right uh, and from the left. And then they'll be willing to listen to each other. Um, But I've had to call you a couple times. I've had to call my brother a couple times just to be like, Hey, I heard this right wing thing. And like, I kind of agree with it. Can you tell me your thoughts on it? And like, almost like keeping myself In check a Mm -hmm. little bit, Um, because I I, I do think that as as toxic as especially online tribes uh, and tribalism has become, which is like, how does my side feel about this issue? And that is the talking point. I will scream down another stranger's throat. I think that tribes can also be really good. Um, and necessary. And, and we, we yearn for them, but you have to, your tribe can't just be a bunch of yes men mm-hmm. who agree with you. I mean, you know, that's why politics is such garbage. And that's why like child actors like die in DUI like accidents is because like they just have a bunch of people saying, yes, yes, keep doing that. I agree. You're so good. Uh, you know, and you can it,
1: probably handle all that fentanyl. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You're built for it. You're a tiny 16 year old frame. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious but in terms of
0: um beside the niche which of course there is an issue of tribalism and factionalism and all of that and where would as one fit if you because it's kind of like the reason why dan carlin stopped doing common sense podcast he stopped because,
2: literally right as i started listening to it too and yeah I was like, God and, damn it
0: well you have a lot of old episodes to listen to yeah, so okay, there's yeah. the good stuff but dan is awesome but his thing was like No, it's a toxic environment where if I don't say something that's ultra right wing, I'll have a bunch of people who yell at me. Mm -hmm. If I do say something, it's like same thing on the left. It's like you need to be so within certain boundaries of what's the acceptable leftist discourse or the acceptable conservative discourse. And
2: I've been thinking about that because I, I have been trying to figure out, I mean, my old show made a shitload of money and like not a, a lot of people knew about that. And, um, with no advertisements, which is really cool. Um, and that's it's one of the things I'm, I'm still proud of, uh, with, with that show, even though it didn't end great. Um, and I mean, there are a lot of things I'm proud of actually, but I think one of the reasons that our audience was so rabid is because, yeah, I mean, I would spend, we would spend all day on Twitter just like, shitting on people and then if someone on the moderate left did something good it was kind of it, it, it's it's hipster politics right it's like oh you like radiohead i only like their live stuff it's like oh you like cory booker well too bad he like really is like a wall street chill and like it's just like just boners about being a buzzkill right you know and um that does I- not sound like Happy song that was yeah, nurse about yeah, being a My taglines are progressively getting worse yeah, as yeah. the show goes on. I apologize. Um and but it's but but I've thought about that. I'm like, fuck, if I I thought about that today. I um I was watching an interview with Adam Carolla because agree with him or not, he like did something incredible with the podcast and you know, he sure. he, he didn't come from a lot and uh I agree with a lot of his views and He was being interviewed, of course, by Ben Shapiro, because no one on the left wants to interview someone who they disagree with. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And, uh, but it was really interesting and, oh God, why did I bring that up besides to out myself for watching Ben Shapiro? (laughs) Oh, so I was like, I want to listen to the podcast version of this. And I was like, fuck, Ben does a show five days a week. And I was like, we used to do a show five days a week. Now I haven't, the only time I talked about politics recently was this sort of like, conundrum I was having with the reaction to the death of John McCain as someone who criticized him his whole life. Um, and that's what I wrote about for Quillette and I enjoyed talking about it. I could, I think show, talk about, uh, the Kaepernick Nike thing on uh, this week's episode. Mm -hmm. I could, and I was like, Oh, and if I just found out the issues of the day and I talked about it five days a week, I'm like, that's how I could get people jazzed up again. But I Don't wanna do that. I don't wanna do that. Um, but but riling people up and then going on Twitter and riling them up more and then retweeting the people who hate you and making your fans feel like it's us against them, whether it's you know, Chapo on the left or Ben Shapiro on the right, or what I used to do, it's like that is how you get the hardcore audience. Whereas when you're like, Hey, we're gonna give advice to like our listeners and like try to be positive and you know it, it's it's harder to grow and and those the, the people who do do that were people who were very successful So, like tim ferris is a great example like i love tim ferris and i actually just started reading uh I've, I've read all of his like compilation books but i finally am reading four hour work week which i think is what made him famous but he was people listen to his podcast because that book was a huge bestseller so if you're going to do a self-help show it's like it makes sense to to be coming from someone very successful Not someone who's like hey join my Patreon So I don't die <laughs> um, Which is, wh- which is where I'm at right die. now right? <laughs> Yeah
0: join my Patreon <laughs> I I mean, that's where
2: I'm at. And and, and also, you know, learning about business now, no one wants to hear that. They want to hear, they want to support the thing that's already successful. They don't want to be on a sinking ship. Right. My dad said that. He was like, hey, your show's great. I know it's growing. You're getting amazing guests. Can you stop advertising your Patreon? Like, you're literally, like, on the run and a fucking, you sound like a carny, you know? And, uh... And it's true. The times I'm like, hey, just help the show grow. It's like there'll be people. And the times are like, guys, I'm not doing well. It's like, well, we don't want them to take our $5 a month and use it to like, you know, buy a gun.
0: Right. Um, Of
2: course. So it's this weird thing, man, um, where that, you know, it used to be like sex sells. And now it's like being a douchebag sells. Yeah. Like going on Twitter and being a fuck. If you, if I tweeted.
0: Why do you think that is, by the way? What's the appeal? Because it's like, it's really toxic shit, regardless of who's doing it and for, in the name of what ideology, it's just toxic crap that's bad to read, bad to spend time on, bad to everything. I
2: think it makes up for, I mean, so I can just speak for me. So when I used to do it, I was really depressed and I was in a marriage that wasn't working and I was around, uh, friends that weren't really friends. And, you know, my only pleasure during the day was jujitsu and, you know, um, my 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 ex, who I I, I, I w- will not badmouth. Um, you know, we were like best friends, and so when we were good on that level, we were we were good, you know. But but for the most part, I was incredibly depressed, and um and so going on Twitter to not only see who has it worse than me or who fucked up, <laughs> but then getting affirmation for going after them, right, right, like oh, Justine Sacco said this. I don't know who she is, but she's going to be fired. And then you make a funny Justine Sacco joke and now suddenly celebrities are retweeting you and you're getting faves. And so not only are you seeing someone whose life is worse than you, but you're getting validation for pointing it out. Um, And so that becomes incredibly addictive. I mean, same deal with the podcast, what I was saying about being negative, which is I try to just, for the most part, post positive stuff on Twitter. But the times I've slipped from that, and going back to kind of my old ways Is when I'll get a ton of retweets So of like course. if I tweet I really enjoyed crazy rich Asians That will get one favorite And by the way Saw it by myself Really enjoyed it um, If I tweet uh, crazy rich Asians Why weren't there uh, uh, trans Asians Why weren't there more Asians in uh, wheelchairs Are you ableist uh, Why is it just rich Asians Why isn't it poor Asians Why isn't it whatever Or if on the other side If I went right wing I was like we need to get rid of Asians uh, Then it would be like retweet 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 <laughs> But instead I was like, I really enjoyed this movie. I want to talk about this movie. I mean, there are those people on Twitter that will literally sit there and just wait for you to tweet about something you enjoy so they can tell you why it's problematic or tell you why it's wrong. And I don't want to be that person. I'm not going to be that person. Um, I've kept a lot of views to myself. Um, I'm still sort of afraid every time I retweet Rogan or something like that. You know, I kind of just sit there waiting for a little backlash because I know that's how the left works or the I don't even know what to call them. I don't want to call them the SJW left because that's what the right calls them. But the extreme left, I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, i so that, that 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 that's what I think is. I think people instead of it's the same with people who comment on YouTube videos. Right. Or these are the same people that are complaining. Why can't I make a living? doing what I love. It's like, well, cause you spend all your time jealously shitting on people who are making a living. Right. You go on any YouTube video, you could see a blind seven year old playing a perfect Mozart violin, whatever. And the first comment will be like gay. And it's just like, <laughs> what is wrong with everybody? What's wrong with yeah. everybody? And it's because it's a lot harder and riskier to make something by yourself and face rejection and have to climb than it is to shit all over. people. Well, uh,
0: yeah. And that's kind of like the basic things of life in general that it, It's so much easier to be critical than to create something good. Yeah, of course. Doesn't, you know, you can feel smart being critical of somebody else's mistakes
1: that doesn't require that much skill to do that. Well, I'll never forget but, like when, when YouTube declared that you had to identify yourself to shit on somebody
2: like a oh.
1: gaggle of teenagers around the house thought this was the worst possible idea of all time. Right. How could we possibly have to stand up for the shit? We were. Yeah. Doing? Yeah. Well, that's why
2: I, I enjoy Instagram so much because uh, for the most part uh, it's not anonymous. It's like people's actual Instagram accounts. Yeah. And so the amount of like, verbal abuse that's on there is far less. Even when I go on big people's pages, like UFC fighters I like or whatever, far less than on Twitter where you can make like, you know, six anonymous egg accounts. Yep. Um, and it, it it's, it's vile. And also I think people just get into that mindset. Like uh, I used to live in New York and people were like, New Yorkers are so mean. And for the most part, a lot of New Yorkers are really wonderful. But I've noticed that like when tourists go to New York, they'll kind of, like, be dicks and, like, throw their trash and, like, shove people because they're like, I'm being a New Yorker. This is what New Yorkers do. (laughs) And it's like, no, you assholes. Like, we're nice. Like, I'm always, like, giving people subway directions and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I kind of feel like that's, like, the same way on Twitter. You go on Twitter and you're just – anybody I've met, you know, especially since going back to comedy, I remember the first time I went back to the comedy store, there was a door guy who was like, hey, man, like – Nice to meet you And I'm like Oh it's nice to meet you too And he's like Yeah we used to fight on Twitter And I'm like That sounds right And like face to face They're great yeah. You know, and we could probably even have that same conversation, whatever we were fighting about. Let's assume Palestine, because that used to be my jam. Um, and we could probably have that conversation and find a lot of middle ground uh, in person. But on Twitter, you're like, no, man, this is what I do. I just fucking call you a cuck, <laughs> like, you know, and instead of actually arguing facts or I mean, God, dude, the the guy who now books. All the Netflix specials. Arguably, the most powerful guy in comedy right now. Used to be such a huge fan of mine. And the last thing I said to him on Twitter, uh, and it was about Palestine, was I'm like, we're not friends anymore because you like support dead children, and I blocked him. Wow. And I'm just like, wow, good work, man, good work, Jamie. I'm number one, <laughs> sure, changing hearts and minds with that. Uh, and then number two, ooh, backfired.
0: <laughs> How do you think? Um, why do you? Why are you in a different place now? Because you seem pretty entrenched in that identity before.
2: Um, well, my life rock bottomed, mm-hmm. like, you know, I've done a bunch of podcasts where they're like, I mean, even Rogan, it was really sweet. He's like, it's, re- it's really great what you've like done and how you've like seen, you know, the mistakes you made. I'm like, yeah, I don't really deserve credit for that. My, I lost everything I had. And when your when your life is wrecked, um, partly due to you, partly due to a lot of bullshit and tribalism and just plain untrue things um, th- you have the options of you're like well I either kill myself or I try to be the best person I can be and and that was sort of the the route um, that I went where the stuff that that people very few people but the stuff that people said about me straight up wasn't true um, but there was a lot of stuff in my life that I was doing that I hated with this. Um, I was very selfish. I was, I was like codependent in relationships. I mean, that's probably why I didn't get out of like my marriage sooner. I like, I I wanted to be the guy who fixes everything. Um, uh, you know, I, I had a a ton of stuff. I, I wasn't, brave. I acted brave, but I really wasn't brave. I wasn't strong. I wasn't being a man. Like there were lots of things that, um, I didn't like about myself. And I was like, well, if I've lost everything, I can at least try to be, cause before I had everything, I had a huge TV and a gorgeous apartment and, and money. And we could always treat our friends to dinner. And I was married and people like me I had fans and and all this stuff and I was miserable so my thought is well if I had everything technically and I was miserable then why don't I just make myself the best person that I can be why, why isn't that I do that instead of like money or instead of artificial mm-hmm. things and then even if I wake up with no money I'm still this like man that I, I can be proud of um and it's worked I mean you've seen me at my worst which compared to like my worst like five years ago or whatever. It, it's nothing like I definitely still panic about money and hustle and try to brainstorm. And, and I'm very, uh, I still am very self-conscious, especially cause all my friends kind of turned on me. So if I ask you like, do you have this guy's email? I will, it'll be followed by a string of apologies. <laughs> um, but, uh, cause I'm not used to having friends. Uh, but, but I, I honestly can say that at, at my worst, you know, maxed out credit card yesterday, uh, i go to sleep incredibly happy and I wake up incredibly excited. Um, and that's fucking new, man. I mean, when I had all this money, when I had all this stuff, I woke up every day, like that elementary school feeling when you realize you didn't do your homework, yeah, like, yeah, just of course. that like panic where I was like, ah, fuck my life, you know, <laughs> except it wasn't homework. It was literally like every day of, choice yeah, I've made. Um, and so, I mean, that, yeah, so that, that's why. I just was like, what's everything problematic in my life? What's everything I can improve in my life? Also, part of what really helped that was getting off social media for a year and throwing myself into jujitsu jitsu and MMA full-time because right. like, I needed a day job, so that became my day job, and so um, being around fighters and being around athletes, I feel like you get the sort of good version of pull yourself up by your bootstraps where when we hear these words, um, we're so used to Republicans who were born into wealth telling poor black yeah, kids to pull yourself up by your bootstraps when they stole all the boots. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and wait for that trickle down rainstorm. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And it's just like, is that urine? Yup. Um, well, at least it's something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Drink it. Um, and so, but being around athletes was the first time that I could in an apolitical um, environment have people be like, be strong, don't quit, be fucking tough, be a man, like fight hard, yeah. and those are very Republican sounding things. But it was coming in the in the terms of like combat, and so once I built up this sort of confidence and and armor from that, from being like, oh, I'm a good fucking fighter, then it's like, okay, cool, I'll apply that to the rest of my life because I would quit very easily. Um, on things. And, and, and if I don't do that with amazing fighters every day, then it's like, Oh, now I have this mentality of don't quit yeah. of push through when you're tired of all this stuff. And so, um, that is so rock bottoming and jujitsu would be my advice to your listeners. <laughs> Lose everything <laughs> and go train.
0: That's a, that's an interesting approach that's to fixing right? things,
2: right?
0: <laughs> I heard this was, uh, this guy that- fucking italian accent who wrote stuff about martial arts applied to daily life so yeah that yeah, yeah. that rings
2: like sounds like trouble. territory yeah, yeah. that i gotta say tree
0: yeah exactly <laughs> fuck that guy what <laughs>
1: what category do we put him
0: in? See, i don't know it must be one with lots of salmon and squirrels yeah. the um, no man that's and it's interesting because uh both professionally, as well as on a human level on a human level, because everybody likes to have their tribe to pat them on the back on a professional level, because it's just easier to market oneself in one specific niche than yeah. when you're just trying to be a human in a very open-ended kind of way. It's very hard not to fall for that, uh, for that call to, okay. If you're abandoning one identity clearly you need to pick up a new identity yeah. that's equally as defined, equally as rigid, equally as uh, all of that. And it's,
2: it's really, it's funny you brought that up. I had, um, my agent wrote me and I guess some big vegan website wanted me to make like funny videos and they were like, it'll get out to our 500,000 people. And I go, <laughs> I go, I'm not vegan anymore. And, um, and they go, it'll be fine. And I go, no, it won't. Uh, you don't know these people. I was like, you have to write them and tell them that I'm not vegan anymore. But what I told them was I would be really happy as someone who still supports like animal rights and, you know, um, and actually it could even be more powerful as someone who's not a vegan. Like I still have jokes about how hated vegans are and and unnecessarily at times. And I was like, it could actually be really cool. And the second they heard that they were like, ugh no, Absolutely not. It's like, God damn it. I agree with you. I want to be, my goal is to be rich enough to be vegan again and not feel like my bones are falling apart. Um, but it, uh, but yeah, no, it's like, you're not one of us. Of course. And what's interesting, I think the reason, and I'd love your guys' opinion, because maybe it is for like nefarious motives or whatever, but it is interesting that it seems like the, not like the Fox news, right? The Fox News, right? I was only invited on Fox News once. And it was like... Because I was an atheist and it was around Christmas. And I was like, absolutely not. Because I'm barely an atheist. And also, like... I'm And I love Christmas. I'm like, you're not going to drag me out as an asshole who's like... Ho, ho, ho. You're all fucking stupid. You know what I mean? Like, I like Christmas. I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah. And, uh... But... Um, you know, watching, I mean, Sam Harris is very like anti-Trump watching like Shapiro have him on to discuss religion. Now they both hate Arab peoples. So um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Me and Sam are finally okay now. Um, and, uh, but, but I, I, it does seem like they, that group is more willing to talk to people who don't a hundred percent aligned with them. And I, I do think that, you know, it's like Rogan will have Shapiro on and Abby Robertson or, yeah. and Jimmy Dore, And, uh, I think that's, I think that's really important. Um, and the left, the extreme left, at least, unless you check off all of their boxes, it's like, it's trouble, man. Like if, but even then, I think it's like at, I
0: think we're talking about extremes anyway. I because, think so. Yeah, when you talk about Rogan, Rogan by definition is not a particularly politically affiliated kind of guy. He can no. be all over the place in a lot of ways, but which it, is interesting. But if you
2: ask the left, he's alt But if you ask, right.
0: But if you ask on the other the side, right, if you have the right, like he's like like a like crazy drunk, Hollywood liberal drunk, yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's how it is, right? So the point in that sense is like, if you are looking for the extremes, which unfortunately are most of public discourse, there is no discussion. You need to check all the boxes. Right. If you are not looking for the extremes, then that's great. Well, but yeah. not that easy to find that's that like, space. And that's
2: what I'm shooting for with my podcast. And you know, after the, that Quilla piece I wrote kind of blew up, I'm like working on a book proposal because it's so bizarre that people are sort of like down low moderates mm-hmm. and they're like whispering about it in L.A., like they're whispering like the fucking n-word like i'll i'll be with liberals like very prominent uh liberals famous people who will tweet like progressive till i die and then we go to like a dinner party and they're like hey this is fucking crazy right you know and they think that a lot of the stuff that that extreme left is doing is fucking nuts but they can't tweet about it because they don't want this backlash again i do not agree with almost everything ben shapiro says but i thought the fact that That actor, Mark Duplass, who literally all week was tweeting about charities that he's giving to and trying to get his fans to give to. And like, you know, I don't know, maybe he's a dumb actor, maybe not. I've heard he's a nice guy. But he tweeted like, hey, while we're talking about like doing, I don't know, things that are good for humanity, you should try following someone you disagree with. Which, by the way, that's the reason I wrote that Quillette piece is because I never followed anyone remotely right wing. And I actually saw Meghan McCain's eulogy to her dad, which brought me to fucking tears. When in reality, if I didn't see that, if I didn't have to confront it, First thing I would do is, where's my McCain joke? Where's my joke about him being fucking tortured in yeah, hell by yeah. Vietnamese or like some evil like mean thing? Sure. And like fuck Meghan McCain because like she said that dumbass thing about socialism a couple weeks ago, even though she was born into privilege. And I would just be like, attack, 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 because the death wouldn't have been real to me because I didn't actually have to see real humans dealing with real like tragedy. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, forget where I was going with that uh, or where that even started. Well, one thing about that that's interesting is that
0: it's almost like both we do it to one another as well as we do it to ourselves of like yeah. putting ourselves into stereotypes. And then like, it's almost like on an individual level, people almost strive to live up to a stereotype. I've asked my dad
2: so many times, like who am I? Am I a jujitsu guy or am, am I a comedy guy? And if I feel like I'm a jujitsu guy, I'm completely sober. I'm like not eating carbs. I'm like uh, going to the gym twice a day until my body's broken. And if I'm a comedy guy, I'm blowing off training. I'm drinking. I'm talking about being depressed. And it's like, why can't you take the best of both of those things? But it's, I mean, that's been my biggest struggle this year, you know? Um, Well, that's why identity, personally, I find that identity of any
0: kind is a trap. Identity of any kind is a crutch for people who can't hang otherwise. Like, why can't you just be human? Because it's hard because you have to think on your feet because you have to constantly figure out a way. Whereas when you have an identity, to fall back on, you have this fix. The part is already written for you. You just Mm. have to act it out,
2: you Uh, know? Okay. So I'm not trying to get you in trouble then, but... Right now, we were talking about a confused white male podcaster, me, Uh, those identities being jujitsu and comedy, voluntary, right? Um, But does that also apply to what more moderate right-leaning thought that like Sam Harris or like Shapiro will talk about or even Peterson, right? With like identity politics, which is, is it more harmful for the group if you're only identifying yourself as part of that group? And not an individual. And I think a lot of the people who talk about that do ignore systematic inequality and the fact that it's like, cool, cool, cool. We also enslaved black people. So like, let's factor that in. But I do sort of see it a little bit on the left. Um, I mean, you know, the majority of people saying the worst shit are like trust fund white liberals in Brooklyn, right? Mm -hmm. Who claim to be speaking for people of color. Um, But but I don't know. I like, like, would that apply? Well, to me, here is the thing. To me,
0: any kind of identity, I don't like it. I feel like you're trying to imprison me when there are shackles that come with every identity. There's like, here is the candy that goes with it. And <laughs> here are the shackles that will tie you with. Right. The problem is this. Is I also get the fact that, as you say, you know, me, let's say you are, I don't know, uh black dude in South Dakota or something. Right. One of three. Right. Except start with that. Should we and, name them? Norm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey Joe, what's up? But <laughs> uh, the, well, the thing is you can spend all day long, saying now the other black dude in South Dakota is so different from you and you are your own person and you are, and it's, it's totally true and you're right. Yeah. However, you do also have the experience in common that just about all the rest of South Dakota is treating you as the black guy. Right. And they treat you the same regardless of you. your differences don't really matter. So, so in that yeah, sense, Yeah, so Norm and Joe
2: eventually have to go to each other and be like, God damn it, I guess we are friends. Yeah,
0: and I mean, <laughs> and, and that's the problem is that then people take it too far. It's like, no, we do have that in common. We're totally agree. That does not mean that we are best friends. Right. We both share the same experience of being treated like crap by people who hold certain stereotypes about, and so they want to put us in the same box, even yeah. if we clearly don't belong. Oh man.
2: And like liberal white people get so excited to go after like, like Kanye, when he said that conservative stuff, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, um, uh, like a black conservative or like, a a, a, a Muslim woman who like speaks out against the hijab. They just go fucking in on them as just traitors and it's like well if you're truly like not a racist then that means that like don't speak for the muslim woman if she wants to leave islam like that's on her too just Mm -hmm. like it would be on her i mean that's the whole like what's the feminism argument for the hijab well it should be if a woman wants to wear it she gets to wear it, and if a woman doesn't want to wear it, she doesn't have to wear it. Right. Like that same with like the porn thing. Like, there's a huge feminism. It's like, shouldn't it just be up to the woman? And if the woman wants yep. to do it, then fucking okay, it's feminist. And if she doesn't, then it's also feminist. I don't know. No, and I, be... and I
0: think that's the issue is that there's a degree of, uh, you know, you can criticize somebody because you think their ideas are stupid, mm-hmm. not because they are a traitor to an identity. Fuck identity. Right. Right, I'm right, not... Right, right. The point is not that I left what a good Muslim or a good black person or a good white liberal or a good whatever the hell is supposed to be, and that's why I'm c- to be criticized. Yeah. It's because the ideas that I'm spouting may be stupid, so, but <laughs> let's talk about ideas, not about the you're a traitor to whatever, because to me it's like...
2: This is another reason I think martial arts is so great. And it's like me and you, you know, I don't know, maybe subconsciously, but it's like it's Bruce Lee philosophy about taking what's useful and disregarding what's useless. Right. You can do that in real life it's not as sexy i mean it's what i'm doing now um and it's also how i've become a good fighter um where it's like i like this part of my game i don't like this i like this of yours i'm gonna take that i like that wrestling of yours i'm gonna take that and uh and it's, it, it, it should be the same with politics. Like, look, the tribalized martial arts died with UFC one, yeah. right? You had the karate <laughs> guy, the ninja, yeah. the sumo guy. And it's like, eventually it turned into mixed martial arts because the, the combination of ideals is, uh, the solution. I think.
0: Well, it is one thing that I find funny about the American system, for example, that I'm not one. I think this is probably going to be the first and only time that I'm going to mention, you know, the founding fathers, cause to me, it's like the fuck the founding fathers, yeah, I don't yeah. like most of them for multiple reasons. So there let's start with that. Yeah, However, they
2: always leave out the quotes from them where it's like, where'd my slave go? Yeah,
0: there's a plenty of, she's crap, off right? having a child right now. <laughs> However, <laughs> there's one thing that was interesting that in the original conception of the political system that was to be created in the United States, there weren't supposed to be parties. The whole system was designed not to have political parties, okay? Where only individuals would run as individuals. And why was that the idea? Because the idea is, well, once you start parties, then it's going to be crazy factionalism and you're going to have the guys who are going to defend their guys. No matter, they could be having three year old sex slaves in the basement. And somehow you're going to find a way to defend them anyway. And vice versa, right? That would never happen in reality. Exactly. So their idea (laughs) was like, fuck, factionalism, we can't have that. And uh, so like, we, kill we that guy. so we won't do that. That lasted about six point two seconds, and right. immediately there was, you know, the individual just, yeah. politician made an alliance with the other one, who made right. an alliance with the other, and soon enough you had these gangs. You had a
2: bunch of three-year-old it, sex slaves in the basement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And- <laughs> Fuck, that's so <laughs> interesting. That's so interesting. And you know, I mean, that goes to um, the the absolute hatred. That like the green party and the libertarians will get i mean i remember a time not too long ago where if you criticized hillary clinton you were called a sexist if you're on the left right yeah but the way i saw uh, like a week or two ago um somebody posted like a meme or, or a picture of like some poor mexican kid in a cage at the border and they were like thanks jill stein Thanks, Susan Sarandon. And it's like, holy shit. Is that who we're blaming? I mean, I covered, yeah. we interviewed Ralph Nader when he was running. Mm-hmm. Um, we interviewed him a bunch. And it was so fascinating that Ralph Nader was getting more hatred yep. than Republicans were getting, including yep. from like people like Bill Maher and like well-known politicians, where if you lined up all of Hillary Clinton's policies and all of Ralph Nader's policies, of Democrats are going to align more with someone like Ralph Nader, Of course, but that idea of shocking the system. I mean, it happened to a smaller extent to Bernie, um, I mean, Bernie is still every day on my Twitter, like just like he's a fucking heretic. Like he's the reason that not taking again, a Republican term, personal responsibility where it's like, no, we ran a corporate hack. It doesn't matter that she was female. We just ran a corporate hack. Um, And there was truly a grassroots momentum around Bernie, just like there was, people forget, um, behind Barack Obama. People forget that Barack Obama ran as an anti-establishment candidate, coincidentally against fucking establishment Hillary Clinton, right? Of course. Um, People crave—they've been screwed over so much by both Mm -hmm. parties— that they'll vote for the first black president or they'll vote for the fucking first game show president. They just want something different. I mean, that's the
0: that's the hilarious aspect of this game, that somehow some billionaire managed to convince people that he's the outsider. Oh, that's oh. like the ultimate side
1: that we live in the simulation. Calling other people that elite is, is enough to make your blood boil. It's a, yeah. Oh, well, the whole
2: drain the swamp. Like how long before he staffed like 12 Goldman Sachs guys? Yeah, exactly. His, it was... Fucking wild, but the problem is, we ran a candidate where oh, he was, was right totally. when he said release the Goldman Sachs. Like he was right, and if we ran Bernie, that that wouldn't have been there, you know. And, and when I say reran, it's like well. Y- y- Yes, she won the primaries, but if he got the kind of coverage she got, if the DNC supported him like,
1: like she did, you know, I still believe he would have won. Yeah, um, without question. And the whole superdelegate thing is still, I know oh, it's man. been a race now, but how much did that ruin? Right. And I will never cease asking myself. If Hillary had simply picked Bernie Sanders as her vice president. Right. Which he clearly would have accepted. I briefly
2: Tim Kane was so boring. I literally spaced out on him. I was like, what more do you who, want? Who the fuck did she pick? And I was like, all oh, right, Tim Kane. Um, it made
1: Joe Lieberman look like a good choice. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that fucking guy.
2: Um, but yeah, see, I still care about politics. Like, I, I feel like when you said Joe Lieberman, I had this like memento moment where it was like this like trigger word reminding me that I still am political deep down, and I've been like trying to suppress it, and I'm like, Lieberman, I know <laughs> that name Her. fuck joe lieberman <laughs> Yeah, well, <I> just like <laughs> explode into this ball of rage
1: did you see that mccain actually considered him instead of sarah palin yeah that's madness yeah well I it might have gone well yeah oh he probably would have won well mccain 2000 was a whole different thing too before george bush destroyed him in south carolina with yeah the, oh my god that's right the robocall man i forgot about all that
2: yeah. um that was so insane god politics is so gross i mean that's another reason where you know, we can talk about politics all day, but no. I think that's another reason that I, I've started focusing on just like, I remember one time, my country. favorite piece of stand up I've ever had is a story about my dad. And it's about, I used to be a fucking asshole to my dad, but the narrative forever was my dad's such an asshole. Right. Like, cause I was like the sad artist and mm-hmm. he was like the mean dad who's like, don't drop out of high school to do comedy. and I'm like, fuck you old man. You know what I mean? Like you don't get me. Even though like, that's very logical what he is saying. So the whole premise of this bit is that moment where you reach the age where you realize that the reason you hated your parents is because they were decent people. And so I tell this whole story about... Like I want to make it up to him. I have this like crazy epiphany and I go to buy him like, uh, this like birthday present cause I like used to just never even get him birthday presents, and they, they, they think I'm stealing from the place that I'm buying the birthday present. So while I'm trying to like show him this good guy, I get fucking like detained and like he gets a letter from the police with his present, which like, so it's this huge thing and it's, it's my favorite, it's a 15 minute story on like my second to last CD. Um, only thing that's not political on that CD. The CD is literally called Libel, Slander, and Sedition. It's like as fucking <laughs> political as you can get. Right. And in the middle, there's this 15-minute story about my dad, which like actually made me cry the first time I like had the story right. So I wasn't going to tell that story ever. Um, and I was with... I was in New York, and there's a show at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater called Ask Cat, where what they do is they have... Um, Uh, a monologist it's a different person every week it'll be either a comedian or like a famous actor or like ira glass has done it like and uh you know the audience will shout out a word you it is not supposed to be rehearsed whenever it's rehearsed the audience like smells it um you just talk about a story that that word reminds you of and then there's a back line of improvisers from like snl like um Actually, I think, uh, I told a story once, Bobby Moynihan from, uh, Saturday Night Live and Chris Gethard, uh, were two of the improvisers and I think Horatio Sands. And I told a story about my, my grandfather's last words to me. He like brought me in, he was bringing all the grandkids in cause he was like dying. And, uh, he gave a speech to them, you know, and he was fucking ultra conservative, had a picture of him and Pat Robertson of George Bush, like wow. in the living room and his last words, he goes, um. He goes, I know you never or I I, I never saw your stand up. And I had this moment where I was like, oh, my God, like not only are his last words like not only are these his last words, but it's going to be about something that we never talked about. It's going to be about uh-huh. my love, about my passion. And he just goes, "Um, I think it would have embarrassed me. And then he paused and I was like, and and then he kind of motioned and I was like, oh, fuck, that's it. Like, that was it. And so I forget where I took the story, but, uh, but I, I told that at ASCAT and so the way they would like do scenes out of it is like Bobby Moynihan, like rolled a fake wheelchair out to Chris Gethard and you know, Gethard was like, like, all right, these are like our last time together. And he was like, do a tight five minute set for me. And he just like heckled and just, it was so good. <laughs> That's so Ask Cat's like one of my favorite shows. It's so cool to see like SNL people act out your tragedies. So I tell this story and Janine Garofalo in the audience. And about a week later, Garofalo and I were hanging out in Union Square and she's like as political as you can get. Right. And she's like, yo, that dad story is like incredible. She's like, you're going to do that in your standup. Right. And I remember telling her like very self-righteously, very like I am Bill Hicks, though, um, where I was like, no, it's not political. I, can't. I literally said I can't. And she's like, are you out of your fucking mind? She's like, that is going to touch more people than getting them to cheer for just shit they agree with, right? Where it's like, and sure enough, like I started telling it, I had a dad once try to give me a hundred bucks in San Francisco being like, this story brought me and my son together, you know, um, where that was my favorite part of citizen radio where like I talked really openly about depression and suicide and addiction and hundreds of emails, from kids who whose lives we saved. But then towards the end, when we started to get less of a comedy audience and more of whatever you want to call it, an ultra left audience, we had people being like, can Jamie stop talking about his depression? He's a white straight (laughs) cis man. And like, we don't want to hear about it. And it's like, well, that's cool. And I felt bad. I was just like, I'm just self hating enough to be like, God, what do I just add that to the list of reasons I want to kill myself. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I did, you know, I got really self-conscious and then I started to bottle it up. Yeah. Right, just... Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, oh, yeah, wow, Why don't I market that as a podcast, a political with a ghost? Um, <laughs> and, uh, but it, 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 got to that point and that's when I started to be like, uh, this is kind of gross. Um, but that's what I'm trying to do now where it's like, we can't, you can't do anything politically or do anything for the world if your house isn't in order. And a lot of people would much rather scream on Twitter about Donald Trump while they're still being assholes to their family. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was the kind of guy that would ignore a phone call from my mom because I'm like, I'm tweeting about feminism. And it's like, well, fuck, man. (laughs) Why don't you deal with the the woman in your life? Um, She's not going to retweet you, but like, you know, you can help her. maybe. Yeah,
0: Exactly. Of course. I mean, I think that's part of the problem with that idea of identity in general. That is like, you can't, like what you said, right? It's like, I can't because it doesn't fit with my identity, my which narrative, is the my, political yeah. comedian. And it's like, there's such a degree of freedom when you decide not to play the part of what it means to be the guy who looked the part. Because, you know, there's a manner of speech. You have to speak a certain way, you have to dress a certain way. You have to, all your choices are trying to
2: desperately fit into this role, did you, ever, did you ever Did you struggle? Because you speak, like, so eloquently about it. Like, did you ever have those struggles? Or, because, I mean, it's not like history is apolitical. I mean, I guess you can make it no, be. No, but, I mean, in everything I've done, it's like, to me, it's like,
0: from day one, it's like, I don't fit in. And I'm okay not fitting in. And you're, I'm not trying not to fit in. Even that's not, like, the, the, the identity I'm building on. Yeah, you're not like I'm the, re- the rebel It's not fitting in. It's yeah. like if I fit in for a while, I will. Eventually I know I won't because right. I won't play the <laughs> playbook all the time. But to me, it's kind of like, I mean, even like, I was so not even aware because I don't care about some of these choices that it would take other people to point them out as something strange, as something, to me, it was like, yeah, you are an Italian guy who teaches in American Indian history and Asian American studies and then you do this thing and you are, and there were all these things that, to other people didn't fit, didn't make sense. And I was like, I would stop to look at like, for example, within ethnic studies, I would look at like, yeah, Asian M classes are taught all by Asian American people. And guess what? Uh, Chicano Latino classes are all taught by Chicano Latino. And it's like-
2: Oh, you're appropriating. Yeah,
0: totally, right? (laughs) And I'm the odd one out that doesn't fit in, right? In that sense. But I'm like, who the fuck said or even just what it means to be a professor. You have to speak a certain way. You have to keep a certain demeanor. And right. I'm just like, yeah, that's not what you're going to get here. You know, yeah. it's like, that's I, not going to happen. But I don't care. Have
2: there been times on, like, social media where you found yourself, like, self-censoring? Or um, does your audience, like, skew a certain political way? And you're kind of like, ah, fuck, this is going to piss off a bunch of people. Eh, if I go in this direction. Already gone. They're already gone. Yeah. yeah we I used...
0: don't find it worth it. You yeah. because it's like... To me, it's like just the peace of mind that goes, we do whatever the fuck you want at the end of the day, be right. who you want to be. And then, uh, then you are, if you try to be this person that fits this target audience, as if you have like 12 people doing market research for you of who you should be to be yeah. the most successful, fuck you, I yeah. don't want to be that. Thing and that
2: audience know. is, um, that audience is, oh, what's the word I'm looking for that the, the, they're They're not going to stick around forever. They're once you say something that doesn't uh, align with them, they're going to bounce. Whereas if you can actually be you, I mean, that's what I tell myself. The reason citizen radio got a big audience in the beginning is sort of what I'm going through right now. And I keep telling myself this, which is like we were too funny and filthy for the political people and we were too political for the comedy people. But there wasn't anything that existed in that space. Yeah. So we were like, fuck it. We're just going to be us and we're going to be filthy. And we're going to talk about like very like left wing politics. And that's kind of how I feel right now where it's like being a little too left for the right people being too, you know, I mean, I'm not even right. But being too uh, moderate for the radical left. Um, But it's like you got to just sort of like whenever artists are... are, are, (sighs) you want to be something that nobody can steal, you know, yeah. like if you're writing bits and you're like, I bet someone has it. It's like, well, then is it really good? You know, sure. like you, you want the, 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 bits that like nobody could have because yeah, exactly. you could see it or exactly. you could talk about it. Cause um,
0: it's your thing. It's we, And it means the same principle that apply in relationships. You know, it's like <laughs> you can probably get laid a lot if you play a certain role and you play the game and you do all this shit. But the point is like, that's a, uh, that to me is a, a worldview that's monstrously lacking in self-confidence yeah. because it's basically saying, if I am me, nothing is
2: ever going to work. Right. I have to play this role. That's what's going to allow me to get the result. I've gone on dates recently, like dating app or like I've met whenever I meet like a gorgeous girl, it's usually cause I'm with a more famous person. So they think I'm more famous than I am. <laughs> and, uh, they've kind of set me up like softballed me to kind of go in that direction of of the like game playing. And I'm just like, this is gross. I'd rather go home and read a book with my cat. I'm like, that's what I do. And I've never done that before. That's another thing I used to back to confidence. I used to jump into relationships Where if you asked me like, hey, what does she look like? I'd be like, oh, she's blonde and covered in red flags. Like there are so many things telling me to get away from this. But I lacked so much confidence that if there's a pretty girl and she likes me, I'm just fucking happy to be there, man. Yeah. There's been some kind of clerical error and like I was standing where a hot guy was supposed to stand yeah. and I'm just going to like fucking thank my whatever lucky stars and go with it and and hope it'll fix itself or I can change um, or whatever. And that's how I ended up in a, ba- a bunch of bad relationships where it's like now actually having confidence where it's like, oh, I can actually find someone that aligns with me yeah, exactly. you know or that compliments me or that betters me i mean jesus yeah. that's even better right that's even more exciting to better each other um but same deal with you know the route i'm taking with the podcast it takes more fucking time and you can get lonely slash broke you sure know? but
1: yeah but you don't ever have to look over your shoulder and like well what did i say i gotta make sure i know what we had going that day i know, oh, I know. Man,
2: an- right, right, right with the political thing i still get nervous about I, I, do still stare at Twitter and I'm like, what's the smart thing to tweet? And usually I don't end up tweeting whenever yeah. I think about that. Um, I'm still definitely like self-censoring. Um, but uh, I don't, I, I don't want to get wrapped back up in that, you know, That's I,
0: why I think there's something to be said and I feel at that fairly regularly, but there's something to be said for making a policy of let's try to focus on I don't want to say the positive stories because it sounds very cheesy You'd and have very to find bullshit. One first. Yeah, first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. but you know, let's let's focus on the stuff that is not by nature divisive. Now, the day where I feel like is really coming out of me and I need to say something. No, that's that what that I'm doing. Too. I will do it, but usually, then of course I'll make my exception to. Uh, a lot of it is doggy cheek. it's like I always love to throw out some uh, Jordan Peterson stuff just because they piss off everybody who like him and uh, and that's kind of funny but to me it's like yeah even that's bullshit you know because ultimately at the end of the day it's like come on what have you accomplished like I'm more interested in the stuff that put the accent on how can uh, how can I bring a smile to somebody's life? How can I help somebody who's having a hard time? How yeah. can I do something that will, rather than uh, oh, I made a really good uh, critical point yeah. that was so smart and it's like. Even if you're right, you know, and again, I'm not saying, and there's a balance to that too, because there is a Pollyanna aspect of it that I'm not just saying, oh, it needs to be all peace and flower and inspirational quotes. Fuck that too. I don't like that role either, by the way. (laughs) But if, you know, if we have to go somewhere, I would rather in the balance put a little more in that direction and a little less on the critical intelligence. Or just like
2: repeating everything, like how can I reword this tweet that everyone's made about Donald Trump's Twitter? It's just like, well, everyone is also doing it, you know, like if everyone's making the same Trump joke, it's just the same as like, you know, if everyone's making like a rape joke to be edgy, as opposed to like, you can make like a fucking hysterical, clever rape joke. But if you're just doing it to push a button just to be the edgy guy, it's like, well, I'm not offended because I think everyone in here is going to start raping. It's just like it's a hacky joke right and that's the same with like we're seeing it now with like the donald trump stuff it's like all right well that's just cool what else do you have to offer besides a regurgitated joke that everyone else is making
0: and that's the other thing too is like i don't care to hear how that other side is bad
2: right i care to hear what good do you have to offer or like let's figure out why i mean that that was something that You know, and I got a lot of heat for this, but, like, I did a right-wing show for the first time, and I remember uh, it was on Ben Shapiro's network. It was a guy... He's even more right-wing than Ben, he says. This guy named Michael Knowles. And he came backstage, and we started talking, and we started talking about Norm MacDonald, and I was like, you like comedy? And he was like... (laughs) And I wasn't even trying to be mean. And he was like, yeah, Norm MacDonald's, like, my favorite. I was like, I literally thought Republicans only laughed at, like, school shootings. Like, I had no... (laughs) fucking idea where I was like what the fuck man and we started talking about like Norm MacDonald and then uh, this part I wrote about where his Latina female producer came in and i was like what the fuck and i'm like looking at her like to see if she's like blinking some kind of like morris code (laughs) like putting me in a cage very shortly yeah and she was wonderful and used to be liberal and like you know like just started becoming more conservative and you know they were really sweet and i i think we're friends and uh, um uh and the reason that's important isn't to be like oh look i'm reaching i think here's why i think bipartisanship gets a bad rap is because usually it's like Chuck Schumer reached across the aisle to Paul Ryan yeah. and it's like and to come up with a policy that fucks everybody. It's like, well, both of those guys are crony corporatist assholes. Yeah. They don't necessarily represent the left and the right. However, if me and Michael Knowles, if we're talking about abortion, right, and he goes, you're, you're a baby killer and I go, well, you're a woman killer. Uh, cool. Nothing's going to get accomplished. But if you talk to someone who's pro-choice and you talk to someone who's pro-life and you go, all right, you don't like abortion I think uh, we should have access to abortion w- w- how do we limit abortion yeah, exactly. right and exactly. how, how we limit abortion is a lot of the people in, in, in uh, th- this is definitely still a more liberal take on it but a lot of people on the pro-life side also support abstinence only and if you just can look at the statistics and, and show that where you teach abstinence only there's a higher rate of teen pregnancy and abortion and STDs maybe that's where we can start but you're never going to get there if you're just like you want Thought fucking women to die you're all uh men should never even be able to talk about abortion um and, and, and so forth so that's kind of what i'm looking for like i still kind of have an agenda um when talking to conservative people and you can call me alt-right because i go on a certain show but i'm i feel like having real conversations is probably going to accomplish more than just calling everyone a fucking nazi
0: absolutely i mean it's like even and it's the same applies whether you are in relationships or they are talking about politics or where they are talking is about Let's figure out a strategy that leads to the best possible outcome for both of us. Yeah, man. Even though, I mean, okay, there are the times when if your outcome is you are Richard Ramirez and you want to murder me, okay, maybe we're not going to find a compromise John there, you I know, there are, there, there are not going to be compromises about that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Ted you Kennedy know,
1: and Tip O'Neill couldn't even put that one together. Right? It's <laughs> yeah. like, there are some ah. things that are not going to fly,
0: but many others will. And so... I always say that
2: in the beginning of relationships where it's like, if... If we get into a fight, usually what it is, is I have to defend myself at all costs. And she goes, I have to defend myself at all costs. And then even when one of us apologize, the other yeah. one's like, now I'm going to fucking rub it in their face. Right. When in reality, if you could each find things that you could have done better yeah. uh, and just put your fucking ego aside oh, or like, have you ever like, I don't do this anymore, but I used to like, you know, when you're in a fight, even if it's something little, like you forgot to buy something at the grocery store, the second you realize you're wrong. Your heart kind of drops, and you're like, well, time to double down, as opposed to just like, ah, fuck, you were right,
1: and we can laugh about it, and like stop fighting. Instead of bringing that thing up from nine years ago? Dude,
2: if the goal is to like stay in the relationship, then why wouldn't you want to fix the things you're bad at Mm -hmm. in order to get a better relationship? And it's like, is our ego... That fucking fragile? Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that is.
0: is the answer. It boils down back to that lack of self esteem, which is why you want to embrace some prepackaged identity, which mm-hmm. is why you want to defend yourself at all costs, even when probably the more honest and human thing would be just to be real about it and go, like, yeah, that one I fucked up. However, this other. And you know, it's like because it's, as Bruce Lee would put it, it's hard to be authentic that way. Yeah. It's, uh, it is what you want to be, but it's very hard because with authenticity, there goes a certain degree of vulnerability that right. is not an easy merchandise to sell when people feel that they have all these 10,000 things that if they see these people are not going to like me for that reason and they're going to hate. And so in that sense is I'm interested in, uh, today I was having a talk with my daughter and we we're talking about like kids she clashes with. And I was saying, I understand this is a lot easier said than done, but it would be a great idea, not for them, by the way, for you to see if you can see those kids through a little more compassionate eyes. And by that, I don't mean that you need to then be their best friends. Maybe the course of action that you take is the exact same one and you can be as harsh as you want in practice. But just to make a mental switch where you see them and and she's like, okay, but what if I can't find anything good? And I'm like, what if they hate Colin Kaepernick? Yeah, there's <laughs> there's plenty of people that I don't find anything good in. And so I'm like, what is the common element she was laughing? She's like, what is that we both breathe? And I'm like, kind of, actually. Ah. As a matter of fact, yes. The fact that you're both humans and you both want to be happy. Yeah. Okay, you have that in common. Let's start with that. Let's and then let's take baby steps to see if there's something else that allow you to see them as human beings.
1: I tried that with the Trump thing, but the only thing I come up with is I did enjoy some orange tic And That well, was about I, it.
2: I was thinking about first uh, first of all, I was like, if one of those little fucking kids ever messes with your daughter, I'm gonna murder them. Right. I'm gonna fucking become a child killer. That'll be my niche. Um it's uh, a good one. I love your daughter so much. Um but the Two things. Um, one, uh, about the Trump, but uh, what you were saying about people not wanting to be vulnerable because they're afraid that people won't like them. Mm-hmm. The best this is a weird analogy, but go with me as a stand up comic because I'm incredibly open about like my life. I'm arguably to a fault. Um, but stand up comedy, the best jokes aren't the jokes that everyone sees. When, when, when you make a joke that gets that huge guttural reaction, it's usually a bunch of people thinking, oh, my God, I thought that, but I thought I was the only one. Right. Or I was too afraid. You must have say- been in my house. Yep. <laughs> and, 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 and as a comic, a lot of times those are the jokes that you're like – man, I love this joke, but you're like, that's never going to work. This is weird. This is just a me thing. Damn, and then course. you hit it and you just feel that laughter of recognition. You go, oh no, this one was a special one. Yeah. right? And I feel like it's the same way. That's my sort of antidotal evidence that it's the same thing when you're afraid to be vulnerable. Chances are the thing you're afraid to be vulnerable about, you will tell someone and they will go, oh fuck man, like me too. Yeah. Like I totally feel that way. And then not only do you have an ally, but you've also made someone else feel better. Yeah. Right. Um, and then you guys can maybe work on that thing um, together. What I was going to say with the Trump thing is, yeah, there's nothing I I, I love about uh, Trump, but I feel like the conversations I've had with Republicans that have been better is I've started being like, I've started looking at it. I always assumed that their policies, which I disagreed with, were for the most evil ends. So what I mean by that is, you know, I believe in universal health care, right? And any Republican that didn't or campaigned against it, I legitimately, not hyperbolically, thought that the, their health care plan was, I want kids to die so I can make money. Yeah, And that was it. And that was honestly what I thought. As opposed to now what I realize, just having followed some of them on Twitter, is look, now some of them, maybe the head of the, you know, sure. insurance companies believe that or politicians who are, you know, deal with their lobbyists. Yeah. Okay.
1: But they don't all the, own helicopter factories.
2: Yeah. The majority of Republicans think that they don't like the government. They see the times the government fucks up or run something poorly which is often now often it's because we don't give them the money or the opportunity to right but you know let's say FEMA let's say uh, the post office is the big example they always give Um, and instead of looking at them as oh you want kids to die now I can look at them as I want kids to live so I want kids to have health care and maybe they want their kids to live and they think that government health care will be worse than what they have now I disagree with that politically, but it's a lot easier to start that conversation than the dead kid hypothesis I was throwing at them. Um, And and, and same with them to us, you know what I mean? Being like, hey, if we start from the point of – and this is I think how I ended that piece where it's like we all want the best for our kids. We all want to like pet the dog we see. We all want, you know, basic like love and compassion, whatever – then it's like okay at least now we have a starting point and maybe you know you'll find out that some of these guys are just racist fascist assholes all right fuck them they're out but there's a lot of people in the middle um that just don't want to deal with this partisan nonsense Of course,
0: and i think it's a much easier discussion to have rather than being like you are the epitome of evil as we have different tactics and i think your tactics are stupid but it's a tactical discussion as opposed to a good and evil one based on your nature and i think in fact that's Probably why I like, you know, the MMA image is not just as a metaphor, as in also the very fact, like, exactly what happened with MMA. You know, you start with different martial art styles, each one thinking they are the shit. Concrete experience show them that some are better than others, but none of them have it all. And then you have to take the best from all of them and and adapt it. And it, that's why, to me, is like, I like the MMA metaphor, not just the practice, but as a metaphor, because it's so applicable. It's so... Uh, well then fits. why aren't we building
1: a political party that way where well, i think part of
0: the problem with um, one of the differences with ideas is that they don't have that objective thing that just stare in your face like you know if you just get knocked out five times in a row you can come up and say you know really my training methods are the best in the world and it's like w- I, I...
2: I have footage that begs to differ my sir exactly yeah.
0: and it's like it happened once and twice and three times i think it by now, even most delusional people have to accept that it's not backed by fact. Whereas with ideas, you can always spin things in a way where it's not that objective, the outcome of certain ideas, you can always twist them around in another way. So it becomes really, really difficult because in order for that process to happen, you need to have a recognition of a reality. You need to have an objective result that everybody agree. Oh, that didn't work. Whereas you can take even the most batshit crazy idea and the results are really horrible, but you will find people will find a way to rationalize that actually that was a success that I work well. That, um, yeah, we see
2: that in politics all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of, but I did, I I, I had that fantasy that you've had. I was just like, I do wonder if like Ron Paul and Ralph Nader ran together, like what would have happened, you know, or do their ideas just clash so, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, if there is a party where it's like, hey, let's bring independence on this side and independence on this side together. Yeah. And I see call what that we... the
1: purple. The searching for purple in yeah, the center. Yeah, and it. see
2: what we come up with. Um, that would be... Really,
0: really interesting. Yeah. Uh, And maybe like you agree on 30% on things and you mildly disagree on 13, you strongly disagree on 30. And then you figure out how to compromise. And yet, exactly. You are in the same boat and it's like, well, yeah, there's nothing is going to be a perfect fit because you have to do violence to your own beliefs to fit perfectly into one thing. It's not going to be that easy. But, you know, we all agree on X, Y, and Z. Well, that's a start. That's good. I mean, good. Even
2: with Nader, I mean, I think the majority of not just liberals, but, like, Americans, like, don't, like, necessarily, like, want war. They don't want, like, sure. Wall Street being able to do what, like, if you really ask people, yeah. you know, especially, like you know uh when people assume that if you're anti-war you're anti-troop it's like no 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 I'm very pro-troop which is why I don't want that troop to get shot yep. for some bullshit war you know um but again these are things that like now like I got to say that on a right-wing show and I would have never got to say that before um because I think a lot of people, even I was listening to Bill Burr uh, this morning when he was talking about the Kaepernick thing, and they're like, "Kaepernick, my 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 brother died in 911." It's like he's not kneeling about 911. He's not kneeling Enough. about firefighters. He's kneeling about racism. Yeah, um, like Jesus Christ, like it has nothing to do with that. But if you don't hear moderate voices from the other side who aren't screaming, it's like. You you you're not gonna know that. Yep. If a bunch of people just say that fucking football player is kneeling because like he does he hates America, then you go, all right, I guess he hates America. As opposed to just like, no 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 no, Jesus Christ, he it it, it yep. it's racism, and we we can all agree that racism is bad. Yeah.
1: You know. A lot of people are pulling the Pat Tillman out, like. That's somebody who should be recognized, like Kaepernick.
2: Yeah, so right. That. Let's recognize him. We fucking killed him. Yeah, he well, he was a, he was an thing. atheist. He was anti-war, but he served because he was like he would have been the first person kneeling next to Kaepernick. Yeah, man, and that that's dude was a badass. Yes. Like, I agree. I agree. Yeah let let let's find out what Pat Tillman would have. and you all will be very fucking disappointed. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's crazy. I uh, it's funny you mentioned Bill Burrow. Um, Bill Burr, he is in the new Hugh Jackman movie. Which is about Gary Hart? Oh, I heard about that. He, he was listed as a McGovern on the list of, of who he's starring as, so I just couldn't believe it was amazing. just a joke he'd put in there. Yeah, Porter, yeah, yeah. the but um, they say it's amazing. They did the premiere last night, and we were running that for him. Ooh, and uh, yeah, he, Hugh Jackman had to sit with Gary Hart and his wife and screen the film. Whoa, which had to be amazing. Holy shit! But they say nothing is resolved, and it's going to be a conversation starter. And I can't wait to see it. Ooh, I'm excited. It yeah, sounds great. It should be a good one. We are running short on time, fellas.
2: Cool.
0: Do any wrap up things you want to? Anything that you have going on? Anything you want? Uh, yeah. Your well, Twitter. Your
2: for or- uh, the love of Christ. If you liked anything I said, uh, follow me. Uh, Twitter is at Jamie Kilstein. Uh, Facebook is Jamie Kilstein fan page, and Instagram is Jamie Kilstein podcast. I had to change out; they're all different because I got off social media for a year in a <laughs> suicidal panic. Um, and then yeah, the podcast is Jamie Kilstein podcast, and Yellies is a great one to start with um uh we have michael Shermer this week we talk a lot about like these issues he's more right than i am but i think it was a really good one um and that's it i'm just building shit uh, and then i'm doing i'm touring uh sydney at the end of october and uh the northern territories in australia and then i think i'm gonna do a, a big european tour uh november and december
1: so uh you can look out for stand updates there which vegan website do we go to for pepperoni for beginners?
2: Uh, well, as I, uh, I'm a lax vegan now, uh, <laughs> I will still eat uh, honey and uh, animals. Um, I do not know the answer to that anymore. <laughs>
1: Funky music means one thing, and that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Towers Podcast. We had a great time hanging out with Jamie. It was a good conversation. Uh, he's a smart dude. And look forward to see what he's got coming forward in the future. Definitely check out his podcast. But now it's time to thank the kind folks who have donated to help us keep the lights on here at Drunken Towers Central. Here they go. Let the pottering begin. Lisa Robles, Jim Domenico, Matt Chebret. That's it. Well, that's a small list, guys. Certainly, you want to join them and get your name mutilated. Probably more by Bileli than me, but I think I did some mutilation myself and I'm always happy to join in. But hey, folks, if you have the time and the means, toss us five bucks once a year. I mean, there's a bunch of you out there. It would really make it easier for you to keep us going as we're about to enter year seven. That's unbelievable. As we get into October to be year seven. So send us a little bit to give us a, a celebratory drink. Why not that? You know, enough for a, a couple of drinks at a cheap bar. That would be pretty fancy. Alrighty. Don't forget our holy trinity: on it, Datsu Sarah, and sure design T-shirts. They've been with us almost since the very beginning. Human optimization, awesome hemp gear, super cool T-shirts, and other novelties to wear. What a great group of folks! Go to the episode notes to find a awesome discount. Snow roast coffee. Check them out at snowroastcoffee.com. To get yourself some small batch, freshly roasted, delicious java to make you through the day. As always, thanks to our pals at Daisy House, who supply their opening music and have for almost since the very beginning. I got to talk to Douglas just the other day. They got a new record out called Bon Voyage. It's got some great songs on it. The one I really dig is called Persephone. And if you want to check out a nifty video that they've done uh, for their track, Open Your Eyes, it's on YouTube. Uh, just look up Daisy House on YouTube and I'm sure it'll pop up. Can't go away without thanking Never Tap Gear for keeping Beleli's knees strong and selling the awesome new rash guards of Tomei Gozen, the 12th century female samurai that our our pal Savannah put together. It's just awesome artwork, and you're just going to be the coolest looking person at the gym with that. Kurokau Chocolates, delicious. They say most chocolates out there will have 20 to 25 ingredients. Theirs tend to be about six, all of them organic and delicious without question. Well, that's got to be about it. We'll see you next time. About 15 days, we'll put out another one. It'll be October, and wow, does the time fly. So thanks for listening. Invite all your friends, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Bye. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielle at D Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-L-E-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1, R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, and the numeral one, one. We'll see y'all soon. Woo! Maybe I don't wanna hear this. No you don't. (laughs) In questo caso in questo caso le provvidenza di Dio Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think?
0: Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead.
1: this was great it's fucking awesome and I love this conversation.
0: I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange we've been yeah, having oh, a great nice. hour here
1: Dun, I
0: completely got lost are we doing the outro or the intro we're outro oh we're outro okay sorry so that's. so let's continue <laughs> did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh,
1: your accent it just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me can you about...
0: translate for me please
1: I believe the word was Tombstone yeah that one
0: exactly <laughs> just as I was saying you know tom's thought (laughs) now most everybody thought (coughs) sorry we'll (coughs) we'll do a cut on there
1: or not that was something else
0: (laughs) that's maybe too powerful (laughs) what do i have to do one day the rod shall teach you
1: get back to work funky podcasting it's like radio but you can cuss